Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. And we're back. We are well into 2020 now. Yeah. The, February. Yes. The new 2020 mistake that you're making of trying to make the one and the nine into a two and a zero hopefully has worn off. Hopefully. I don't really write as much anymore. I don't so either. But like I've been doing a lot of typing of 2020 because yeah. I've just been mm-hmm. doing a lot of like accounting stuff that's yeah. like I've been having to use 2020 Mm -hmm. so i feel Mm -hmm. like that tends to get me into using the right year pretty quickly i think last year it helped too Mm -mm. well hopefully you guys are having the same luck we have lenore from the mcnichols learning center learning center yeah Mm -hmm. we were on location this time it was fun we were not in our studio which is cool Mm -hmm. we got to take a tour of their learning center phone in the background we always forget to turn the ringer off oh yeah. while we're down here yeah no it was we were able to take a tour part of the reason why we wanted to do that was just to check out the center they offer a lot of different things that Lenore talks about mm-hmm. one of them being assessments yeah um, and really a uh, very quick cost-effective mm-hmm. way of getting that independent assessment if yeah. you're really in need for it in Orange County yeah they're supplemented by I think she talks about the nonprofit foundation yeah like yeah mm-hmm. it's really neat so if you're looking for assessments and you're in that area area take a look at them she had such a wealth of knowledge of just so much of her background from talking about really like brain changes and you know organic change of the brain we've been doing a lot of higher level right speaking to like doctors and other professionals and scholars that have been studying the brain and it's like she's the practical application of right it. she talks about the creative mind versus the linear mm-hmm. brain and kind of needing them both and how like multi-sensory learning helps the creative mind mm-hmm. and helps kind of them work together and then we kind of took a turn talking about digital media and how that really changes the dynamic of your brain especially in kids under the age of 10 and just how it affects you know, all kids and all aspects of learning. And I think we talked just about learning styles and how, you know, in school, we really should be considering all of this, the creative mind, the learning styles in trying to make it more multi-sensory in all aspects of learning. Yeah, it was a really great conversation. It was very easy to have that conversation with her and especially with the digital media. That's something that I don't think a lot of people are quite aware. It's very easy to say, oh, it's fine. It's educational or, you know, whatever. And, you know, for how the brain is developed it's there's we're just not talking about the consequences and so we kind of get into that and well Lenore starts this off so we will get right to it Lenore take it away well hello and you know I'm very grateful Vicki Amanda it's wonderful meeting you it's wonderful (laughs) giving me the opportunity to talk about my center and not only the center but the background to the center why it's so important and why I get so excited about it we're happy to have you on why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners okay sure I'm Lenore Waring and 
I help run the McNichols Learning Center. I say help because Trina's the <laughs> office manager. She's the hub and the wheel. And the rest of us, she helps keep organized. And we're lucky because today we are actually recording on location yeah. from the McNichols yeah. Learning Center here in Newport Beach. <laughs> yeah, we get the benefit of learning firsthand about what you do. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into the education world? Okay, learning has always been very important to me, all right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you think of a circle and think of it as a pie, and you take a slice, and out of that pie, that's the stuff we know. And then if you were to start to do a dotted line right next to that, maybe giving another skinny slice, that's the stuff we know we don't know. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of the pie, we don't know we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so learning has been very, very important to me. I've worked with what I call organic change mm -hmm. rather than change being imposed on the outside. Mm -hmm. And since the 80s, okay? And I've gone through a lot of modalities and underlying all of these modalities, there's a common thread. The creative brain as opposed to the linear logical mind. Mm -hmm. And the linear logical thinks in long sentences with compound complex sentences. Mm -hmm. But the creative mind actually communicates very differently. It communicates in keywords, images, mm -hmm. and feeling sense, a felt yes. sense. Mm -hmm. And those three, the better they work together, the keyword, the image, and the felt sense, the more productive the learning is. We often say this where we feel that education is stuck in this reading, writing, and arithmetic kind of mentality, right? Where it's just like, you're just going to sit there for eight hours, you're going to rewrite this sentence over a hundred times, and that's how you're going to learn. And, uh. and it's just so not that. <laughs> well, can you imagine doing something over like you described? Yeah. Think of the feeling that that develops in the gut. Mm -hmm. Okay? Most people, most kids, most adults wouldn't be happy doing that. Right. And no. then on top of that, I don't know, you're both very young. Do you remember Pink Floyd, Another Brick yes. in the Wall? Yeah. Yes. Okay, and yes. what are the lyrics? We don't yeah. need no education. <laughs> yeah. We don't need no thought control. Right. The yeah. dark sarcasm in the classroom. Mm -hmm. yeah. Teacher, leave our kids alone. Mm -hmm. Well, right. you know, we think, no, our schools aren't like that. Right. But think of the dyslexic. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't even, a broader term, dyslexia is an umbrella term. Yes. It covers yeah. a whole Absolutely. lot of things. Yes. But those kids, they feel like that. Mm -hmm. And they might, I mean, that's the gut feeling. Right. Yeah. And if then you have the thought that goes into the child's head, I can't do this. Everybody mm -hmm. else in the room is doing this. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're going to exaggerate. Right. They're going to say everybody else mm -hmm. is doing it. I'm the only one. I can't do it. Well, that's the brief word phrase. Right. Now, that's a key word. So what are they going to do? Are they going to be open and receptive to what their abilities are? Mm -hmm. No. They're going to shut down around yeah. it. They're mm -hmm. going to feel terrible. Yeah. I mean, every time we get somebody coming in here they start out feeling afraid mm -hmm. they yeah. don't think that they're going to ever be able to do anything and many of them are trying to prove to me oh. how good they are they, right they, you that know, they don't need it that they yeah well, that's right they have this need to protect yeah. themselves and it's very sad you know we talk a lot about like engaging a student in learning and getting into not tricking them but if you're teaching a kid in a way that they don't realize that they're learning that's going to be best i mean but you think about like how often we always say like learning environments are everywhere Right. I mean, we're not in a classroom from birth to three or even four or five right before preschool. But 
how many babies they learn to crawl, they learn to walk, they learn to talk. They're not learning from a classroom, right? They're learning from their environments, from figuring it out, from this multi-sensory world that we live in. And, you know, we learn when we're on the soccer field, we learn when we're do learning to drive, right? It's not in a classroom. So clearly there's other ways to learn, right? You've touched on so <laughs> many issues, Amanda. Uh, let me start with just one of them, the age from zero to five. Mm. Okay, there are two ways for a child to learn. Being put in front of a television, mm -hmm. watching it, I'm, and I'm not, Sesame Street is wonderful. They're, they've got a loving environment, mm -hmm. but the most important environment for a child is actually sitting with mm -hmm. a parent snuggled up, mm -hmm. feeling the feeling, mm -hmm. the body warmth of the mm -hmm. parent, mm -hmm. the arm around them, mm -hmm. and then having the parent open up these pages, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. and point to Bob or dog, the dog, and saying the sound duh, and the child is automatically picking that up. Mm -hmm. And then duh, well, doesn't that go with daddy? That's the beginning of the experience because it's the sound is made right. in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So that's one part. Then you talked about some other things about learning. The bottom line of all learning is critical thinking. Mm -hmm. It isn't just parroting material. Right. 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 It's not just memorization. And that's no. what we feel like a lot of the mentality is in these schools, especially with such an emphasis on the state testing, right? That time in the spring is so stressful. You can walk in, you feel the stress of the teacher who have all these steps about this test that they have to, you know, teach their children. Then you have the stress of the principal who's thinking about the numbers and da, da, da. And it's just, and obviously the stress of the children. And it's just, it's completely overwhelming to a sensitive being that can pick up on that energy, right? It is, and that's a feeling felt sense. And most of these kiddos with these learning challenges, I'm sure by the time that you see them, they're probably exhausted as well. And then here's another, you know, and they probably learn to love coming here because they, they feel accepted, they feel heard. And it's fun. I mean, yeah. we... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, you've mentioned several... Yeah, I know. We. Uh, this is what we do. Testing. <laughs> the children are being taught to the tests mm -hmm. because they have to have their scores mm -hmm. submitted. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's totally contrary to the concept of learning. Right, right. Memorizing facts and regurgitating it on a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean you learned anything. No, you haven't. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you have learned it, if you've memorized mm -hmm. it, how long? I mean, okay, just any child. They're not going to remember stuff that they can't relate to in their Right. Threat. Yeah, I'm right. pretty sure I had to memorize the periodic table, and I... Oh, I can't uh, can tell you. <laughs> no? Hydrogen. <laughs> That's sure. the first one, I think, right? Oh, oh gosh. I remember in my freshman <laughs> Spanish class in high school, we had to learn the countries and capitals oh. of South America, Central America. But we learned it through a song that we sung oh, yeah. every day, every class, the entire year. So I could sing that song, but we learned it in a way that was more relatable. So that was different. Yeah. It wasn't just, okay, memorize this on a map and put it on there. Because how many times, I mean, could you put all 50 states on a map if you were given a blank map in front of you? I mean... It no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and that's the United States that we live in, that we've yeah. been to many of these yeah, yeah, states. Yeah, yeah. People don't know where California or right. where New York is. Right. But if you've learned it, I remember when I was in high school, I was really good at memorizing. Mm -hmm. Okay. But does that mean I retained the material right. long no. after? Right. No. Yeah. But I remember one class, and I look at this test, and I know, oh, I've got this baby covered. Mm -hmm. And I won't mention her last name. I still remember her, Susie. She, sitting over one aisle, 
broke down in tears uh. and put her head on the desk. Uh. And at the time, all I was thinking of was myself, mm. yeah. but I've never forgotten her. Right. I don't know. This was a private school mm. and I don't at that time there was no talk about right. dyslexia yeah, there was right, right. nothing okay yeah. and it was catholic school yeah so the education was was a big deal mm -hmm. so anyway that stuck with me this song this we don't need no education <laughs> because okay and you're also talking about memorizing you're talking about things that we might never use again yeah Okay, but it still builds the neural pathways in the brain. If it's being done right, neural pathways are very important because they have to develop what is called deep reading. Mm. Deep reading is needed for critical thinking. Mm. So if you have a child memorizing something, there is no deep reading and they do not develop any critical thinking about mm -hmm. it. Now you talked about maps. Well, the other day I went to an event and this man had this he had carved the states out of wood, oh, wow. and he's put it on a map, and I have this tool. Before, I had a puzzle, and it was just made of cardboard. Mm, yeah. Now I have solid oh, objects, yeah. wow, okay? yeah. so that they, when they're moving, they can feel yeah. the shape uh -huh. of the state. Mm -hmm. they, we talk about it. The name is the state is on the back. I Plus, I also have my little cheat sheet. But so it's the way you do things, and then you talk about, like, if there's a capital of a state, let's find out. And then I go to my tablet here. Let's find out. Mm -hmm. Bismarck, why did they call that the capital? Mm -hmm. You know, let's talk about it. So it's not memorizing mm -hmm. yeah. anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. But the multisensory. Okay, then we go to, again, like I said, underlying learning is the key word. It's the feeling state, and it's the visual. It's some kind of impression, some kind of... It's the sight, it's the sound, and the feeling, okay? The key word would be the feeling. If you're reading that same key word, it's also the sight. So whether we're doing language arts or math, we can build the math from addition up through algebra. So cube is a real cube. Right. Okay. Right. Squared is a flat and it's made up of a hundred units so that the child really comprehends. Oh, and then we're talking about something else. <laughs> Math by itself, numbers by themselves don't mean anything. You've got to have a story with it. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to remember something better or even a person better if they have a story a compelling right. story something yeah, a keyword right yeah, yeah exactly very often i'll ask people tell me your name and then i spell it so that i can see it oh my wow auditory isn't as good as my visual mm -hmm. and my kinesthetic which is the felt right okay so i spell it so i can picture it in my mind okay. and so that's oh excellent tool yeah to spell to picture close right. your eyes okay mm -hmm. okay picture your hand you know, reaching out from your body, you're seeing the whiteboard in front of you, and you are writing this. You're, maybe it's an addition problem or a subtraction. You're printing it, and then you're pretending you're turning around and teaching the class about it. Right. And mm. so that gets them involved in the feeling of it, as well as the seeing, and actually with their hand moving, you know, whether it's a spelling word whether it's mm -hmm. a math problem, whatever the concept mm -hmm. is. But that takes it deeper, too. I mean, what is great about having this podcast is we are lucky enough to have people that really 
can break down learning because all a man and I have are our experiences. And I know that we can, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. look back and think of the things that you did in high school that helped you out that you just probably figured out on your own. I know that for me, you know, for instance, you know, sometimes when it was vocabulary, you know, I did benefit from writing it out, you know, 20 times or whatnot. Well, but that yes. didn't work necessarily for Amanda when she was a child. And what's wonderful about your nonprofit here as well, and even the Learning Center side, is that you can explore all these options with, like, I wish somebody had done that to me. And maybe teachers did along the way, but they were the outliers. I tried to, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely the outliers. But if you have to stick to testing and get results, you... There's only so many hours in a day. And so when a child comes here, are you typically just kind of doing an intake with the parent, kind of figuring out that aspect? Do you do testing? How do you try to help? Okay, there are a couple. There, I can do an assessment. Okay. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the real testing has to be done by a licensed psychologist. Mm-hmm. And frankly, mm-hmm. you need somebody right. who is familiar right. with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Educational battery. Psycho, it's a psychoeducational mm-hmm. yep. battery of testing. Mm-hmm. Recently... We have been looking at testing where it was done over a two-day period, mm-hmm. three hours each day. Mm-hmm. And this psychologist did a number of scattergun approach tests, but they did not do a full Wexler. Now, the Wexler is really, and they did not do the Woodcock-Johnson. Really? I know. And the insurance company paid for this. So mm. I hate to think of how much mm-hmm. it costs. I mean, okay. unfortunately, we see quite a few assessments oh, yeah. like that in our line of work, oh. both privately and within the school district that are very minimally based. Well, of course, if it's within the school, they're going to want to be saving money. Why? Right. Because they don't get enough money. I mean, the fact of a dis I don't even like the word disability, mm-hmm. okay? But the 504, mm-hmm. that's right. what we have. Right, right. But from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that money is given, is spent on like physical disabilities that can be seen. Am I right or wrong? Like wheel, like ramps and bathrooms? Well, Section 504 is more geared towards students who need accommodations, but that not necessarily just the physical. It could be some kind of health. It really depends on the amount of need the student has, okay. whether or not a 504 plan or an IEP is appropriate. But either way, yes, the federal funds come into the school systems for both IEPs and 504 plans that are supposed to go straight to those services. But more often than not, it doesn't go that way. People get in their head that 504 is more about access, and we're guilty of this as well. The quickest example that I could give a parent is your child is in a wheelchair and there's no wheelchair ramps for your child to access the campus. So it's an example that I'm sure people that don't necessarily know where the funding should go would say that to you. So that's probably why you hear that more often than not. Yeah. But access could also mean a lot of different things. A child that's having maladaptive behaviors that's being removed from the classroom, that is preventing access. A student who has dyslexia and has not learned to read but is in the third grade, they're not able to access that curriculum because the majority of the curriculum nowadays is through reading. So if you can't read, you can't access and it. very often with digital media yes. rather than text. Yep. Rather than paper printed text. Yeah, you know, we are seeing that a lot where, and we've heard about different programs, right? And a lot of these schools, when we are looking for that 
evidence-based. They're like, it's research-based, you know, this is that. Another thing, I have a client right now where we've asked several times for the material, the data, because it was under the age of 10, sticking him in front of a computer, and it's the reading curriculum. We asked for a reading program to remediate the deficits that he had. You know, we need the phenomic awareness, all this. And they just kept saying, here's a reading curriculum, and it gets harder uh, if he gets, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, what? (laughs) Okay, okay, Marianne Wolf. She's mm-hmm. written a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a really good writer. So you, a person who's a non-scientist can actually read and yeah. understand. Yeah. <laughs> but she is a neuroscientist, and her specialist is the learning brain. Mm. And she has written a book. It's called Reader Come Home. I'm not going to quote from it extensively today. but she It's okay. Our listeners can go out and she get says, it. <laughs> yes. She says that most of the school <coughs> programs do not address learning. And they do not address deep thinking and critical Mm. thinking. Mm. What digital media does, she describes it as, you know, those water spiders that skitter across Mm -hmm. the surface Mm -hmm. of a pond. Mm -hmm. They don't dive deep. And that's what these programs, because Mm. there's speed involved, plus there's something else. There's novelty. Okay, it turns out that from infants, from Thousands of years ago, we were programmed to notice novelty, and it protected us, you know, because we'd notice tiger tracks Absolutely. outside of our cave, right? right? But now, what is our novelty these days? It's phones, it's media. Mm-hmm. That's why people aren't noticing fountains. They're reading mm-hmm. their media, and they're falling into mm-hmm. the fountain. <laughs> really, so yeah. novelty has changed, mm-hmm. and the novelty for a small child, because before they've learned, before their prefrontal cortex is developed, yes. their executive function has kicked in, they are all about novelty. Yes. So you put a child in front of a program. Now, this is what Marianne Wolf is saying, and, and she has done fMRI studies all over the world. She quotes these studies being done by scientists who are very concerned about the mm-hmm. digital, mm-hmm. very concerned about mm-hmm. it, because it approaches, it appeals to the novelty, and it gets kids, their eyes popping out of their head, until, frankly, their ability to hold, to concentrate, has gone, has been cut in half during the last 10 years. Right. Right. And that goes for adults, too. And Absolutely. I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody. Absolutely. You know the story, too long, didn't read, you know, the, yeah. whatever they TLDR, mm-hmm. they call it, a kid will text to a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's TLDR, mm-hmm. too long, didn't read. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's too hard mm-hmm. to sit down in front of something and actually study it. Yeah. Right, and, and right. And researchers, uh, professors in college are not able to teach the material in this decade mm-hmm. that they were able to teach right. 10, 15, 20 years ago right. because the students, their eyes glaze it's over diff- when right. they look It's at completely it. different. And that, you know, and some teachers are finding, you know, creative ways about it. You know, they're trying to be engaging. They're trying to do so. I've, you know, that you always see those viral videos of the teacher, you know, doing a song right. and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people that don't understand what, exactly you just said or like why is the teacher having to play for their supper and it's like no 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 these children have such a different brain especially and I don't know what podcast I was listening to the other day but they were trying to bring the light like look we still don't know the effects we know a little bit 
about sticking a child in front of a television set, not even television set, but now the tablets, right? Or a computer very early, right? You know, under three, I think is like they say zero minutes aside from like the FaceTiming is okay because they're reading a face and things. Yes, that's right. And she talks about those limits. Yeah, those limits. Yeah. And even, and I know I was at a presentation, they were just talking about the anxiety uh, around some of our teens with their phones and just being, you know, very anxious when they don't have their phone or when, oh, it's completely addicting. And just even, she was just saying, you know, even for us, you know, yeah, yeah, adults, you're halfway through the newsfeed and you're like, I came on my phone to check my Bank of America app. How am I on Facebook or why am I on Instagram? Or even just the simple concept of, yeah, the anxiety of you need your phone to survive. You need your phone to do everything, right? I was talking to someone the other day about, they knew someone who was like studying abroad and having their phone technology and stuff being in Europe and I think back to Vicky and I met studying abroad in Spain and we didn't have our phones or at least I didn't have cell service I didn't have anything so figuring out how to go to the grocery store or book a flight and how did we do that you know but you think about (laughs) that like how right we use critical thinking right we went to the map at the subway and we read the map and we went in this direction yeah and we walked around and we observed and we looked at street signs we didn't rely on our phone saying turn left turn right right I mean we did everything there without like we had laptops there but we rarely used them so you use them for specific right right. but you think about now yeah how often do we use our phones but so even like those skills like kids aren't learning because they don't have to right right? oh that's so true They haven't ever developed the brains. Right. It's called the literate brain. The it's literate different brain. from the digital mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. And we all have developed our literate brain. We had to read right. the 19th century novels. Right, <laughs> right. And figure out these long compound complex sentences. Absolutely. These days, with a child under 10 who is not getting the text reading they are not developing that brain and unless you want your child to grow up to be an air traffic controller okay there is an upside marianne wolf talks about having the biliterate brain okay if you help the child develop the literate brain before the age of five is extremely important but then up until the age of 10 with limited digital but still introducing digital right right they will have developed enough of their literate brain to handle that part and then they will still be needing to develop their digital brain because that ain't gonna go away. Right, right. we are so in a digital we, world, yeah. We need to remember, and I too I had gotten in the habit of going to a summary on the internet and letting this person tell me what that book means. Right, yeah. right. Okay, because I don't have time. Right, well, right. and that started out with like cliff notes. Like when we were in oh, high school notes. and college, <laughs> cliff notes being really big. I remember, I love Shakespeare and I remember, you know, going through Shakespearean plays like in high school and all my friends using cliff notes. And for me, like some of the 8th century literature didn't, I had a hard time with that. English Everyone, is not my subject. but doesn't? Right. But Shakespeare was something that I don't know, I resonated with because I have a theater background. I grew up going to plays and theater. So that just. You're lucky. Yeah, my grandma. You're shout right. out to my grandma. grandma. Yeah. 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 But so for me, I think that rooted me in being able to understand that. But yeah. everyone else used Cliff Notes. To, and I I think about it now because there's such so many profound themes and just feelings and everything in Shakespeare that if you read the Cliff Notes of what's the English version of, you know, the American English version of what did this sentence say? Right. 
and you're not even reading it because most people wouldn't they just no, they read wouldn't. the clip they notes wouldn't. you're right they wouldn't but then what you're watch the movie is yep. <laughs> with the theater background isn't that all about feeling yeah absolutely it's a kinesthetic yep. sense plus the auditory and the plus visual, the visual. Mm -hmm. that's the combination that we need and that's what this testing and our testing you know I do need to tell you the testing from what I've heard in this neighborhood in California yeah I mean I was quoted as high as four thousand dollars by a lawyer oh absolutely yeah okay I've also been told I mean we have we've seen it higher yeah higher. and then they take maybe more than three hours to do it. Our testing is under $1,000. It includes That's, a wow. written report, an hour, at least an hour conference with me, plus we then continue to advocate. We bring in That's a, Yeah, right, right. We support the parents. Right. And this written report, then we explain how you take that to the school. The accommodations have got to be followed. And some Absolutely. of the accommodations, I mean, we have a child now, I mean, and some of the scores, I mean, it couldn't go any higher. It's right. the highest score possible. Right. But there were these two spikes down to these, what do you call it, saboteurs. They're not saboteurs. It's the way his brain works. It's but the it way, yeah. It sabotages that high. That high. High. There are like six really high abilities with mm -hmm. this one spike up at the very top of the chart. Like yeah. Up at the top of the ceiling. But these, which are really not that low, but they're 60 points lower. But, but it's all relative, right? Relative. And oftentimes we see the interpretation of that at the school as, it's fine. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'll say it so you don't have to. Yes, absolutely. We see that. All, and it, yes. it's so infuriating. Because they go by the wood. By, he's great. Right. He's great. Level. Right. No problem. And it's like. Whereas he's really in college. Really, these other schools. Right. He's beyond the age of right. 18. Right. Right, and he's compensating. He's those other areas are working five times as hard. So yeah. let's say in the second grade he's skating by, but by the time that we get to seventh, eighth, you know, even high school, maybe earlier, they've hit a wall. I cannot tell you how many times we see our female students more so than the males. The males tend to be outwardly express their frustrations and anxieties, whereas females are more internal, who just want to give up that we see all the mental health issues. They're cutting attempts at suicide and they're brilliant. It's heartbreaking. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Oh, God. Yeah, it's beyond heartbreaking. And the work that it's, you're doing it's here. It's well, that. yes, it's exactly. It's exactly. Exactly. And that's why we were so excited that you agreed to be on the podcast because, you know, the work that your nonprofit is doing, it's needed. Yeah. McNichols Learning Center, she was, she helped develop the Dyslexia Foundation. This is back decades ago. Mm -hmm. And the Dyslexia Foundation is actually research-based. Mm -hmm. Right. Point, and Marianne Wolf is one of the scientists who was a member of right. the Dyslexia Foundation. And they're actually going to be having, she's a part of a UCLA conference in February. Ah, and, okay. And right. people can call and we can give the information because what is great about the foundation and what we, I mean, this is the key to every single thing we do is we can they, what their point is to get the scientists together with the teachers, with uh, so important non-scientific yes. adults, yes. and the parents. And they talk. They have great PowerPoints. Mm -hmm. They talk. They answer questions that teachers and parents can understand. That's and wonderful. And that will help them fight for their child. Well, we'll get that information from you. We'll put it in our okay. show notes if okay, any of our listeners want to attend. So if families are hearing all of this and just need to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out? 
949-642-7303. And we'll stick your website and everything in our show notes as and well. Good and the Dyslexia Foundation. Perfect. Okay, there's another dyslexia. I'm not, that's the International Dyslexia Foundation. There's nothing, absolutely nothing. I have any negative. <laughs> I'm not even hiding anything inside that's <laughs> negative. I mean, they're contributing very good work, just as you mm-hmm. are contributing. Mm-hmm. There's no one way of doing this. We all have mm-hmm. to work as a team. Exactly. So, yeah. but the Dyslexia Foundation has Perfect. a website. And Will Baker is the founder of it. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying this a lot lately, but we might have to have a part two with you yes. and check in so on much. some of the other yes. work. So yeah, a wealth of knowledge. A wealth of knowledge. And I know you and I had talked a lot <laughs> about the digital brain, and I think we can dig into oh, that. We could dig a little deeper next time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much for being on. Oh, I love your comments. Thank you very much for sharing them. It's very exciting. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.